Hi there, and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast, the Ghosts of UCP Leadership Past Haunt Kenny edition. My name is Sarah O'Donnell. I'm the Journal's Assistant Managing Editor, and uh, just for today, I'm stepping back in to moderate the uh, show to help me make sense of this week in Alberta politics, and yet another crazy week it's been. I am going to turn to our regular trusted uh, cohort of provincial affairs reporter, Claire Clancy. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Claire. Thanks for coming in. And you are hot off the latest announcement, which we will get to uh, later. Indeed. And we've got managing editor and host of Post Media's 10-3 podcast, Dave Breckenridge. Hello. Hi, Dave. Hi. And uh, Keith Jarine, our provincial affairs columnist. Good morning. With all the opinions. Sorry, my voice is uh, sounds uh, a bit off. I have a cold today, but I'm here in, in full You are full here, spirit. and that makes me happy. I did not have to deliver on my threat of vitamin B shots or anything like that. So, <laughs> yeah, But by here, we mean all the way across the room. Yeah, we, yeah. I've got a blast shield between you and me. Yeah, exactly. He's in quarantine, folks. Don't worry. Yes, um, because... It was not funny to joke about not being there for the throne speech on Monday. That was not I a know, funny Twitter joke. I know, I made that joke. joke and then Emma got sick and I was <laughs> sick earlier. So I, you know, we asked for it. I'm not going to joke about things like that again. No, never again. So this week, we have a combination of policy and politics that we want to talk about. We're going to start looking at how the UCP leadership campaign, even though it was 18 months ago, continues to hang over what is a pending provincial election. uh, And there's all kinds of twists and turns in that. So we're going to go there. And then we're going to dig into some of the many policy announcements that the UCP has made this week and uh, some of the reaction to those. And then we'll wrap up by getting into that speech from the throne, which is coming up on Monday, and look forward to what we think may be happening next. I don't know if any of you want to offer predictions. Are we going to start the office pool on when the writ is dropped? I don't know. We'll have to. Uh, Dave, are you on that yet? No, I'm not. No, that. certainly. Cert- we wouldn't gamble illegally. I don't abide gambling. No, I didn't no. think so. Okay, so let's start at the UCP leadership race and how it is affecting today's politics. Right. So this morning, I just went to a Jason Kenney announcement, and this was the big topic of conversation. Um, CBC reported today that um, the RCMP is investigating allegations of irregular political contributions involving the Jeff Calloway campaign. If you remember, Jeff Calloway was um, alleged to be a kamikaze candidate, basically to split the vote between Brian Jean and Jason Kenney during the 2017 UCP leadership campaign, which obviously Jason Kenney won. Well, more than that, it was also uh, the allegation is that he was a kamikaze candidate to submarine Brian Jean, right. not necessarily to split the vote, right. right? But to on Kenny's behalf make sure that Jean looked bad, so Kenny would have an easier path to victory. So the CBC reported that they obtained an email that was sent by the election commissioner's investigations manager Steve Kay um, in a March 9th email. Kay, a former Saskatoon City police officer, sent the email to a complainant um, who was anonymous to tell them that the election commissioner was obligated to share information that was brought up by the RCMP. So I'll just read out the email. It says, Constable J.P. Michaud of the K Division RCMP Serious Crimes Branch would like to contact you. I am obliged to share the contact information you have provided with our office to assist him in his investigation. And it added that you should anticipate that the RCMP will reach out to you in the near future. So this morning, that was big news because it means that the RCMP is now looking into these potential um, irregular political contributions. Uh, Kenny was asked extensively about it. Uh, Keith and I were both at the news conference. Um, Questions ranged from, you know, 
what conversations have you had with the Jeff Calloway campaign in the past um, to were you aware that the RCMP were were investigating this? At this point, Kenny says his office and himself have not been contacted by the RCMP or the election commissioner to to talk about the UCP leadership campaign of Jeff Calloway. But this must have been uh, a distraction for him because he was not holding this news conference this morning to talk about this issue. He was, from the press release that I got, and I know we talked about sending you to, he was there to talk about economic policy and economic platform. Um, so how did he handle those questions? How would you say he fielded them, Keith? That Yeah, he was actually on his best behavior because when this topic has come up in the past, there has been some emotional response uh, where he has seemed... Uh, upset or, or uh, a little bit irritated at the media for even asking about it. Uh, today, he was well prepared. He seemed to know that the questions were coming. He kept his voice calm, his demeanor calm, and just was very clearly said, look, we're going to cooperate with any investigation, but we have nothing to do with this. This is not uh, this is not this is not me. This is not my staff. This is not anything to do with my leadership campaign. This is all about the Jeff Calloway campaign. I find it interesting that the the other part of the email that that CBC um, obtained mentioned that the potential violations. I'm quoting the email now. Our inquiries inquiries into your complaint have identified potential violations that fall outside the jurisdiction of our office, and our office meaning the election commissioner's office. And, and as a result, the RCMP are now engaged. So I, we're obviously talking about some potential serious issues here involving. The Callaway campaign, at the very least, and depending where this goes, maybe there's other people in the party. I don't know, but it's starting to look more and more serious. I would hope that that Jason Kenney, even if even as he maintains that he had nothing to do with it, is able to restrain himself from from taking this very personally. This is, these are serious things that that need to be addressed, um, and they don't go along with. A lot of good news for the – it makes the UCP look bad. Even if Jason Kenney has had no part in this, you have leadership campaigns involving a new party in Alberta that tried to merge the Wild Rose and the PC party into a, a conservative uh, unity movement that would take back government from the NDP. Um, it doesn't paint the party with a very good brush. Uh, you have already had, uh, was it a campaign manager for Jeff Calloway fined for allegedly obstructing, uh, the election commissioner's investigation. We had uh, someone else involved with his campaign fined for donating money that was not her money. Um, so the further this goes, the more answers we are going to need. And hopefully given that the election commissioner says that he can't release any information about his investigations, uh, maybe the RCMP investigation will provide more information to the public or or as some of the cases wind up in court, as Cameron Davies has said he's going to challenge the election commissioner fine against him in court, we'll get some more information out of it. And I think, well, I think one question that is relevant here too is that Kenny has said that he heard about these rumors um, last fall and that he asked his staff about it and that the answer was no, nobody was involved that he that works for him or worked on his campaign. And um, I think the question becomes, why wasn't this proactively talked about? And now it's step after step of getting to a point where now it's an RCMP investigation. And then this morning we had Brian Jean weigh in on the issue saying, um, you know, 
his, he put up a Facebook post and he said this – and he is sharing the CBC story by Chuck Rusnell and said, this is what I was afraid of. I wrote to Jason Kenney twice about this in the last three months, sent Harper a note. He, oh, that, sorry, that was on Twitter. No one called me back. Nothing was done. People involved in this mess were kept on the payroll and remained candidates. And of course, as you said, you know, Kenny has has denied all of this. And yeah, I think that's the big question is obviously this has been talked about for months. We've been writing about it for a long time. Why is it that we're not hearing more from Jason Kenny? Well, he's 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 maintaining that he had nothing to do with it and and he's just following up now on on the allegations that he is just hearing for the first time. That that's certainly his take on it at this point. But Dave's right. This is escalating. This is getting to a serious point now. In addition to the election commissioner's decision that Dave described, the party last week also had to fire one of its candidates in Calgary Bennington, a guy named Randy Kerr, because they felt after their investigation that he was not forthcoming about his donations to the Jeff Calloway campaign. And Randy Kerr was another uh, campaign manager for Jeff Calloway. So there's that angle as well. We've had allegations from uh, Prab Gill, from Derek Vildebrandt, from uh, Happy Man, who are all connected with the party, ousted to some degree. So you have to keep that in mind that they do ha- may have an axe to grind. But three tales from people that suggest that Jason Kenney was personally involved in this. Now, there's no proof of that yet, no finding uh, of any investigation that has that has come to that conclusion. But what's going to happen now is Jason Kenney and the UCP are going to be fighting this election campaign under the cloud of an RCMP investigation. And you can bet the NDP is going to be mentioning that every chance they get. And Brian Jean's name has come up more this week for is are there any other former politicians, I guess maybe Stephen Harper, whose name come up more in Alberta politics these days? Because he commented on on the CBC story with his own comments into this investigation. And then Earlier in the week, there was the story floated about whether he would be actually running as a candidate. There are so many rumors going around the Alberta politics about Brian Jean and what his plans are. And I think so one of the rumors that came up this week that then, you know, was became a big thing on Twitter was the idea that maybe he would run for leader as the Freedom Conservative Party. Um, as of right now, Brian Jean has said he has no plans to run in the in the politics and that he's with his wife and new baby at home. Um, so I just think it is it's really interesting that we've just had this week where he does just keep weighing into things. And, you know, I don't yeah, I don't know what Brian Jean's plans are, but well, I know posts are interesting. He, he said that when he left politics and, he, you know, he announced that he was having his wife was having a baby. He, he, he still said, I'm going to still be involved in Alberta politics. I'm going to advocate for issues that matter to me. We saw it last weekend. He wrote a column that ran, I believe, in both the Edmonton Journal and the Calgary Herald. Uh, taking the UCP to task. He's said that Jason Kenney is no better than Rachel Notley on fiscal policy, on cutting spending. Um, he's, you know, he's he's not going away, I think, in, in the way that some people in certain camps in the Conservative Party would hope that he would. Um, and I think that started to lead to speculation that he may be involved. And then we have this, uh, both a CBC story and a column from Calgary Sun columnist Rick Bell that suggests that Brian Jean on Monday phoned up a Calgary city councillor and said, hey, I'm going to be taking over the FCP. You should come run. Um, and then we had Stephen Harper and uh, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe try and pour water on that really quickly on uh, on Twitter, uh, 
Wednesday morning, I believe. And then within an hour of the uh, Stephen Harper and Scott Moe coming out and not calling him out by name, but criticizing the idea that the conservative unity movement is actually still divided. Um, Brian Jean comes out and says, well, I, I know a lot of people are hearing rumors about something going on on Friday, but they certainly don't involve me. But he didn't say much more than that at all. And he hasn't returned calls to expand on that statement. And so I think a lot of people are left wondering, what is Brian Jean doing? It is a very interesting question. Like he, at this point, he's being a nuisance, uh, and I think enjoying it to some degree um, because I, I, I do think he feels very slighted. He does believe that there was some sort of uh, deal between Callaway and Kenny to uh, to screw him over in in the in the leadership campaign a couple of years ago, or a year and a half ago. Uh, so he is he is enjoying, I think, having a, a little fun here. But it it was extraordinary to see a former prime minister come out with a statement like that that essentially said, um, "We're stronger together. We need unity. Jason Kenney's the man. Um, we need to get behind him and and avoid distractions." And then to have that backed up by Scott Moe. Uh, that indicates to me they are they are nervous about Brian Jean. They do not know exactly what he's up to here. But there doesn't seem to be a real good fit for him in the current political landscape. The FCP, uh, Derek Vildebrandt's party, uh, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Derek Vildebrandt and Brian Jean are not friends. Uh, they have been uh, in some ways mortal enemies uh, for, for the past year or past year and a half. Uh, the Alberta party was rumored. That doesn't seem like a good fit. Brian Jean's policies seem far too conservative for for a Stephen Mandel-led party. So what's he got left here other than starting his own party or joining one of the real fringe groups? Um, so I don't know if he's figured out exactly what he plans to do, but he wants to be a factor in this campaign. And he's definitely a fun distraction. I'll say that. <laughs> Always interesting. Fort McMurray people are always interesting. I think that's important to point out. <laughs> I'll put yeah. that out there. Um, so on the policy front, is any of the policy that Jason Kenney has laid down in the past week enough to distract or you know rise above all of these issues related to investigations, fines, etc.? Well, I think, I mean, Kenny has been rolling out policy after policy, and some of them are really interesting. And, you know, um, just this week, for example, he said that the UCP would nix the $590 million um, super lab that was supposed to be a central facility for laboratory testing in Alberta. I mean, that's a huge policy decision. Um, then today he talked about how the UCP is going to um, create a youth worker wage, which would be $13 per hour for people under the age of 17. Um, and yeah, so I think he is rolling out. He also rolled out a conservation strategy, which I interviewed Shannon Phillips about last night. And she actually said she agreed with his conservation strategy. And she said, I just don't know how he's going to pay for it without the climate leadership plan. The, the NDP have also been rolling out a fair number of announcements as well. They've been uh, having a, a regular a cycle. I think they've announced some freeway expansions. They announced just announced a, a water treatment something today, Claire, right on that. What yeah, was that they, announcement? This morning they announced the Alberta First Nations water tie-in system. And it's part of that uh, funding that they promised in budget 2017, the $100 million to try to create access to clean water for Indigenous communities. Um, so I think with the NDP announcements, what's important to note is often what we're seeing is we're not actually seeing new funding being announced. We're seeing kind of re-announcements of funding. We knew that was coming, but maybe more details about how it's being spent. Right, which is why the UCP announcements, it's something that we're hearing more 
more often for the first time. That's right. what, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Keith, any any of the announcements catch your attention well, in particular? For, well, for sure. And the one that's going to catch the, the attention of most Edmontonians is the cancellation of the Super Lab. Uh, $590 million in construction activity just kind of wiped off the board instantly if the UCP is elected. I, I think that is not necessarily going to play well here in Edmonton. It might play well in the rest of the province who doesn't necessarily care about a a, a lab facility in, in the capital. Uh, but this is just, to me, this is bad policy. So the NDP, you might remember, when they first were elected, they canceled a progressive conservative plan to to outsource more of the lab services. Uh, I felt that was wrong at the time, uh, that it was an ideological decision because they wanted to put all lab services under the uh, the public umbrella. And they have gone 10 miles down that road. They, are, they have the super lab facility. They've announced plans to buy Dynalife the last private entity in the lab services uh, network. Uh, that will happen in 2022. Jason Kenney says he will undo that as well and allow Dynalife to continue operating as, uh, as, as part of the system. Uh, but he doesn't seem to know what's coming next. And so he's he, he describes the NDP's approach as ideological, which is true, but he's guilty of the same thing. He's now going the privatization route, which is, which is just as ideological on the right side of things. And we're again undoing work that has already been done. At some point, we just need to make a decision, go with it, and stop reversing these these things. It puts the health system in chaos. So that was my concern with that announcement. Uh, I think a more prudent announcement would of his would have been: let's put this under review, let's pause the project, let's find out if we actually need the super lab. Maybe we can get away with one that's half the price. But at, at some point, from all we're hearing. A new lab is going to be needed in Edmonton. The, the current one is um, is becoming inadequate. Now, Dynalife may dispute that, but there seems to be a lot of a lot of noise that this isn't going to be sufficient for much longer. And if we need a super lab at some point, we're either going to pay now or we're going to pay later. Dave, I know last week on the show you talked about how this was an election coming up that you you said was going to be run on economic issues. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, do things like healthcare, conservation, do you think that that plays or has any traction or do you think the the more, do you think the minimum wage announcement is is a, a more something likely to get more attention from typical voters. I don't know if the minimum wage announcement so much is going to be the kind of issue that gets a, a ton of attention from a ton of voters. There are people who see minimum wages as a really important issue, um, but I don't know if if creating a youth minimum wage for teenagers is going to cost them a ton of votes or or is going to bring them a ton of votes. Um, I think healthcare. The economy is still, I think, number economy and oil will probably be the the two major issues in the campaign. But healthcare is always a top three or a top five issue for people. The question is whether uh, a lot of Albertans will see the plan to do away with the the lab or to do away with the purchase of Dynalife as being too ideological, or if they're more concerned with um, hospital wait times and, and things of that nature. That's the question of what part of healthcare. Uh, really drives the dial for voters. And I, I would tend to agree with what Keith said, that at the time when the NDP announced their grand plans for labs, it made no sense. It was a bad, it was ideologically driven policy that wasn't a necessity in Edmonton at the time. Um, but now that the province is all the way, it's like the, with the curriculum review, the province is well down the path towards the change that was announced a couple of years ago, it doesn't make sense to scrap it midstream. 
but a review would make sense or trying to streamline plans to make them cost less would make sense. But again, it comes down to, is this the kind of decision that will uh, make voters freak out? Construction jobs are important, mind you, and Edmonton you know, could, could stand to have a people working in cranes operating and, and an active site going on. Speaking of healthcare, the NDP did make an announcement looking forward that potentially healthcare might be the subject of a session. And I have to admit, I have been planning like an election is going to be called Tuesday. I have been writing. Which is a good thing. <laughs> I, I have been, could be. I've been telling my family starting next Tuesday, you won't see me for a month. I've been expecting the writ to drop. And then this week, we get some news that might change that. My family might to get see me a little bit more in March, potentially. Not everyone's much. family. <laughs> no. Yeah, because um, they see us so much during session. That's right. <laughs> yeah. so, so tell so what was the what was Health Minister Sarah Hoffman talking about, Claire? Right. So this week uh, we heard that potentially there could be a Bill One. Uh, the throne speech is scheduled for Monday, and a lot of people have speculated that the writ would be dropped Tuesday, meaning that there wouldn't be a session and that we'd go straight into the 28-day campaign period um, for an election in April. But uh, Health Minister Sarah Hoffman said that she is developing legislation that would protect public health care. Um, this goes back to criticisms that the NDP has levied against Jason Kenney and the UCP, arguing that they're going to make cuts to health care, potentially privatize certain parts of health care that, um, that the NDP say shouldn't be privatized. This is not something the UCP has said, like, on the record to people. They, Jason Kenney, we saw him sign that public health care guarantee on a giant Bristol board at his news conference about this, saying he guarantees there will be a universal public health care system in Alberta if the UCP forms government. But, um, yeah, but very interesting development that the NDP is potentially going to bring forward a bill that says will, they will protect public health care. We don't know what the details of the bill are, um, but it hints that perhaps there will be a few bills brought forward. We don't know. Keith, Dave, where's your money? Do we have like a real session or do we just have a speech from the throne? Uh, I don't know. It, <laughs> I was surprised to start hearing talk about a possible bill one related to health care. But at the same time, I'm not surprised considering how the the NDP has have used the um, the fact that they're the incumbent government to their advantage to try and use press events to whack at the UCP. Um, they held a press event outside the Tom Baker Cancer Center in Calgary. They wasn't announcing anything new, just basically to criticize uh, the conservatives' track record on healthcare. Um, so the fact that they may try and use a bill to drape themselves in the flag or to, you know, to put on a uh, pair of scrubs and say, we're here to take care of you. It's all very political theater-ish. But, you know, given the the controversy surrounding the UCP, I wouldn't be surprised to see them rag the puck a little bit and hold off on an election call. Yeah, I, up until last week, I would have said uh, we're going to have just a throne speech and then an immediate election call. Now I'm I'm actually betting that we are going to have some sort of short session. Um, may not get a budget, but I, I I feel like there might be a few bills announced, uh, including this this act to protect public health care, which will be interesting. I, I'm not sure the NDP intends to actually pass it, but just uh, wants to have the debate with the UCP about uh, about this topic because they think it's uh, it's going to play well with voters. Um, whether 
any of this is actually going to, uh, you know, add up to firm policy uh, is a good question. I suspect a lot of the protections that uh, public health care already has are, are through the Canada Health Act, and this might be just piling on top of it. But they want to try and have the debate with, with the UCP on this. And I think it'll be so interesting to see if we do see debate in the legislature next week, because that will likely be quite hostile, given that the UCP has said they've been calling for an election call since February. February 1st. They repeatedly said if there's any session, it'll be a lame duck session. So I really think that if there is debate next week, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, you can almost you can almost see a head to question period right now where the questions are, when are you calling the election and the NDP firing back? How's your RCMP investigation going? Right. So <laughs> yeah. and I feel like that might be repeated ad nauseum. I feel like the speaker is <laughs> going to have a horrible few days if it, does, uh, if it does go forward. I don't think it'll be a lot of fun to be in the middle of refereeing all all that. Do we have any hints about what the NDP might be bringing in the throne speech or what kinds of uh, subjects and areas they intend to highlight? As longtime press gallery listeners know, I have an inordinate attachment to throne speeches. I always put far more value in them than they probably deserve. They're, they're not budgets. They're just speeches. But I don't know why. I just love all the pomp and the ceremony. And I love everything about throne speech day. Well, I'm willing to bet the word pipeline will be used. Ooh, okay. <laughs> working uh, breaking for, news. Working for Albertans. We'll okay. just start the, the throne speech drinking game if That's you want to start right. drinking it through in the afternoon uh, yeah. uh, pipelines uh working for albertans fighting for you path to balance that's right good good point Dave. the throne speech is at 3 p.m on monday for people who yes. want to tune in so yes. it's not too early to start and the other thing to note is that uh premier rachel notley has her nomination um meeting on sunday, sunday yes and so we could get hints as well at that uh you know at that event to see maybe what she's going to be bringing up monday as well so stay tuned on the journal website to read about that and we don't the ndp has not released any policy yet right they're defending their record uh, they're announcing projects but we don't actually have any real firm evidence as what they would do in a second term and what their priorities would be. We might see that in the throne speech. Okay. Well, I want to move now to good stuff from the gallery. On Monday, there will be all kinds of people in the gallery and that will be just fine. Today, we want to just give you some things to read maybe while you're waiting for Lieutenant Governor Lois Mitchell to deliver the throne speech. Um, I'll just throw mine out there to start. I have been reading something in the Seattle Times that is wonderful journalism, and it's not a subject that um, here in Alberta I get to think a lot about, but I have kids who love underwater creatures. So I've been reading the Seattle Times series, Hostile Waters, Orcas in Peril. And it's looking at why are the Puget Sound orcas dying? And uh, it's just, it's wonderful. I'm looking, I'm le- enjoying it as a reader and I'm learning quite a bit. And also just as a, as a news editor, I'm loving how they're presenting it online with all the visuals and the video and the maps and the graphics. So I recommend that. That sounds so sad. It Well, it is. I do sound very happy about <laughs> a rather sad <laughs> subject, but, you know, hopefully, you know, lessons, learning, et cetera, you know. I hope they can save the orcas. Yes. Um, I'll go next. I'm going to uh, recommend a book that I read this week. I was sick for two days, so I just read three books in bed and didn't move, which was fantastic in its own way, I guess. Um, So I read a really interesting book called Escape from Camp 14, which um, was really popular when it came out years ago. It's the uh, story of a um, of a North Korean man who was born in a political prison and then um, escapes eventually to China and then to South Korea. But what's interesting about the new version, well, it's not very new, but the what's interesting about this version is that it has a new foreword talking about some of the controversy around um, some of the kind of facts that this guy got wrong when he was doing the interview with uh, Blaine Harden, the 
interview the uh, author. And so it's a really interesting read just about um, trauma and memory and because this man had been tortured about how it kind of changed his ability maybe to see facts for what they are the way that a journalist would want to report them. So I thought it was a really good read. And especially within that context, I found it fascinating. Well, that's, you know, I read that book a couple, when it came out. So I'd be interested to reread it with that new new information. So Dave, what have you got for our listeners? Um, I don't get out of the house much. So I am trying to catch up on a lot of movies that came out in the last six months or a year. Some of the Oscar nominees. One that I just watched last night, actually, uh, I was surprised it didn't, based on the critical acclaim it got when it came out in the fall, I'm surprised it didn't pick up any conversation during nomination season is Widows, directed by Steve McQueen, co-written by uh, Gone Girl author Gillian Flynn, starring, um, oh, I'm going to get all their names wrong. I love Gillian Flynn. Yeah, it's a, Widows is a, it's a grim, oh, it stars Viola Davis and Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, There's appearances by Colin Farrell and Liam Neeson, but essentially it's about three women who are forced to pull off a heist because their lives are threatened by the man that their husbands ripped off in a failed heist that kicks off the movie. And it's these women acting out of necessity. It's um, really strong performances, a really dark, moody film, really entertaining. So if you're looking for some pre-election escapism, uh, you could do far worse than than checking out Widows. That sounds good. And Keith, what have you got? Bring yeah, well, like Sarah, I'm going to recommend a piece uh, about creatures, although far less desir- de- desirable creatures. Uh, this is actually one that Sarah would like as well because she and I share a fascination with rats. Oh my it's, goodness, it's, it's a about, rat story? It's a rat what story. What is wrong with you guys? You've been keeping this from me? I have. It's in National Geographic uh, by an author named Emma Harris, How Rats Became an Inescapable Part of City Living. Just a really interesting read about- except, the hist- Brackets, except in Alberta? Right, except yeah. in Alberta. Exactly. Right. So it describes how uh, rats became a problem, uh, the various relationships humans have had to rat, had to rats, why it's so difficult to eradicate them, and the fact that rat populations in urban areas are increasing. <laughs> you guys look so happy. It's so weird. One of the best <laughs> presents I have ever received was from Keith, and it was a poster from the was it like the fifties? One of the Rat Free Alberta posters, and it was like you know keep Alberta rat free, and yeah, yeah it's it's fantastic. So <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've worked together a long time. It's a long story. I don't know. So well, that is it. We will wrap up on that very weird rat tangent uh, for today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Keith and Dave and Claire, for sitting with me in the podcast. I'm just filling in, folks, for Emma. She will be back next week and we will be very happy to have her in her regular hosting chair and I also want to thank our producer Carson Drema who makes the magic happen and uh, makes us sound oh so lovely we hope don't forget you can uh, subscribe to the press gallery on all of the regular places Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play and uh, now also on Spotify I heard Emma say last week so please sign us up there we know you're going to want to be tuned into every little bit of Alberta politics as the weeks inch forward and we get closer to the election. Who knows? Maybe next week we will be in election mode. Who knows? But that's it for the press gallery for today. Thanks.